0: Welcome to Eagle Eyes Perspectives Podcast. This is your host, Brian Eichelberger. Today is Wednesday, August 26th in the year 2020. Thank you for joining me today. I have been doing a series um, over the last couple of podcasts, the last two, on understanding the spirit of Jezebel slash Babylon. Jezebel in the New Testament in the Old Testament is a shadow of type. Of Babylon in the New Testament. And we're seeing that in our time that we are on the earth in the hours that we're living in, that Babylon, the harlot, is coming to great maturity in the earth. But so is the light of Christ that is within his people. We are sons of light, sons of day, not sons of darkness. And so both are coming into maturity during the harvest. And we're in a time and a season of harvest. And we're seeing Babylon, Jezebel, functioning over the nations. Uh, She's upon all the nations, as we have read before in Revelation chapter 17, that Babylon is upon the waters, representing all of humanity. So if you're on the earth right now, then Babylon is also on the earth. (laughs) And though we may be in Babylon, we're not of Babylon. God is beginning to set apart a people who have, are beginning to receive the mark of the Lord, so to speak, in this time and season, to come into a state of maturation. These are the sons of God, the overcomers, the bride. So we've got a parallel path of Babylon, who's a counterfeit to the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is the remnant that's presently in the earth as the overcomers and the sons of God, and much of what the battle is over is over authority. Everything on the earth seems to be over authority. And within Babylon, there are three ruling powers and principalities and rulers of darkness within Babylon. I called this in the last podcast just to clear it up. I said this was like Satan's three cord strand. In Ecclesiastes 3, it speaks about the Lord having a three cord strand that's not easily torn apart. But the enemy is a counterfeiter of the truth. So he too has a three-chord strand that's found within uh, this harlot, this world ruler called Babylon, and it composes of these powers of darkness called the religious spirit, the political spirit, and the spirit of witchcraft. The demonic hate one another. Um, the demons and these ruling powers and principalities Their whole desire is that they're so filled with evil that they themselves want to rule and control even one another. But they'll use one another for even the purposes of Satan. And so, what we see in the scriptures in the New Testament, as I talked about before in Mark chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, Jesus gave warning and said, Beware, watch out, actually. He said, Watch out. That means be alert, be awake. And keep watch and, um, of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Pharisees representing the religious people, full of good or works, works-oriented, works-righteous. They work in order to get the approval of God um, based on rules and laws and formulas. They hold on to forms of godliness but deny power thereof. And the religious is looking and always seeking glory and having glory. The Pharisees talked about this, and uh, actually Jesus did in John 5, 5:44, where they seeking the glory, and they like the glory of men. The political has the power, the authority, and it looks for the glory. So the two play off of each other, and it uses the spirit of manipulation and control whether it's white magic or whether it's black magic, we'll talk about that later, um, in order to maintain this power and authority and religious complex that it has, and all three are working together on the earth, and they need one another. And so last week, in the last podcast, we talked about the religious spirit. Today I want to hit on the political spirit and get into witchcraft if time permits. So the political spirit. Let me just quote here from Mark chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, to give you a backdrop. Um, This was happening on the Sabbath, and the Lord was speaking again to the religious people, the Pharisees. And it says, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. There's a man that on the Sabbath, they didn't believe that you could heal on the Sabbath according to rules and laws. But Jesus looked at them and was grieved at them because of the hardness of their heart. Now, this word was used before in Mark 8, um, verses 14 and 15 and, and following, where their heart was hard. And when your heart is hard, then you'll have eyes that see not, ears that hear not, and a heart that does not perceive nor understand. And so he's saying, you're not getting it. You're not comprehending the heart and the spirit of my Father. And he says, stretch out your hand to the man. He stretched it out, and his hand was fully restored. In verse 6, the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians. That's the political spirit. That's the political people. Against Jesus as to how they might destroy him. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see much destruction happening on the earth right now to counter and to come up against the purposes of Jesus Christ. The religious, the political, and witchcraft will oppose Jesus himself to seek to destroy him and those who want to walk and do the purposes of God in Christ Jesus. So this is about destruction. We see this happening in our city streets. We see it happening in our nation, in the school systems, in and, and politics, and religious um, institutions. It's really meant to demean and to pull down the name of Jesus, even though people will use his name. They will seek to destroy it because of the political spirit, the religious spirit, and manipulation and control. The political spirit is rooted in political correctness. Yes, I said it, it's rooted in political correctness. And it doesn't just have to be the United States government or any government. We can do it in church. People and pastors do it all the time we got this seeker-friendly mentality that has brought forth a very weak body of Christ and a weak people who don't know how to war in spirit. We have a very Ahab type of mentality in the body of Christ because of the leadership in the body of Christ has been become very Ahab mentality. In other words, we're going to abdicate our authorities or we'll be passive in it for the sake of the people. We want people to come into the church. We won't give them what God wants them to hear, the truth. We'll water it down, mix it up, so we can get people just to come in. And so this type of mentality has been going on in the body of Christ and the church, I know here in America, for quite some time. And over time, when you do that, you're opening up the spirits of the political, along with the religious, along with witchcraft, Because whatever you use to get somebody in so you can draw men unto yourself or to your programs or to your systems is what you're going to have to keep feeding them in order to keep them there. So the political correctness is a part of the political spirit. Now, I'm going to say this in the natural, that one of the reasons that Donald Trump, I believe, the Lord revealed, is that he became president, one of the reasons was that through the eyes of people, he was not politically correct. (laughs) There's nothing about him that I see that is a person who's politically correct. So what does that mean? That means you say and do what people want to hear in order to win or to get what you want from them. It is rooted in the fear of man in order to be in control and to look good. I don't believe, and I know there's out there who are going to oppose, and that's fine. But when he was running for the office of the president, he said some things that was very harsh, that was just rude, things that I myself did not like, even though I'm a supporter of, of, of this president. But he said things I did not like and care for, and i like, oh my gosh, what's he doing? What's he saying? I think he's improved some. But he was so full of political correctness that he could really greatly offend people. Um, But he was very honest, too, because he's not a politician. Career politicians will say what they think you want to hear just to get your approval and to get your vote. And this is what the political spirit does. And this is what the spirit of the Herodians, along with the Pharisees, were coming together with. It's rooted in the fear of man. It's rooted in hidden agendas. Think about it. The fear of man, it says, is a snare. Proverbs 29, 25. It's a snare. It's a trap. Jezebel, Babylon, is in the spirit sometimes, is equated to a black widow. A black widow is a spider It has a web. It's made up of systems. But once a bug or something gets into that web, it can't get out. It gets stuck and she'll come and put her stinger, that's the witchcraft, she's the black widow, right into that insect, and she'll eat it. She'll even mate with men, male spiders, and when she's finished mating with them, the sexual immorality part, where Babylon is committing immorality with the kings of the earth, after she's finished mating or having sex with them, using them for the purpose in which she needs them, she then puts the stinger in them, because it's very poisonous she'll kill the male spider and then she'll eat it and consume it this is what the spirit of Jezebel and Babylon is doing in the hearts and minds of the nations and in the people think about it in Luke chapter 23 Jesus was passed back and forth between the religious the Pharisees and the legalists the Sadducees the legalistic people when he was being taken in for trial and jury And the the week of his um, coming in prior to the Passover, or him going to the cross, I should say, and they brought him before, the religious people brought him before who? Pilate and before Herod. The religious and the political, again, are seeking to destroy Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, and it causes his disciples to begin to flee and to scatter. They're put to flight. But see, we're in a time now where we're going to have to begin to step up and confront these demonic spirits. These are world-ruling spirits. These are not lightweights. But we're going to have to teach on them so that the truth can get out and begin to pierce the darkness and the hearts of people so men can begin to get free. We've got to get free of this fear of man. We've got to get free of our hidden agendas. Now, the political spirit. It tries to make deals or trades one service for another. It's not based on truth. There's no integrity, but it seeks to mesmerize people into false loyalties and allegiance while demanding submission and uniformity through fear, greed, and control. It uses division among people and people groups. This is absolutely happening in our nation. Races against races. If you don't conform, I just saw it on the news today where a woman was sitting outside at a diner and a group of Black Lives Matter movement people who were, many of them were white, some were black, but some were white, were going up in her face, surrounding her, 30, 40 people, commanding her, demanding, she better raise her fist because if she doesn't raise her fist, For Black Lives Matter, then that means she is in agreement for white violence. And that makes her a white trash. Again, trying to push people through manipulation and control. This is happening in Washington, D.C., and it's happening in other places, too. They're bullying people. See? This spirit is now trying to get people to form to what they want you to form to. And if you don't believe it, they continue to pressure you Until you do it. This is a type of the political spirit working with manipulation and control, witchcraft. And it brings divisions of people among each other. She did not raise her fist. Although she said that she had before, had been for the Black Lives Matter movement, what they were doing was full of pressure. She was being pressured to conform, and she wasn't going to do it. I said, good for you. She recognized that's a demonic spirit and she did not feel comfortable in that moment. So this political spirit uses divisions among people group and plays them against each other in order to bring about their political and religious agendas. We must get rid of these mindsets and belief systems. These deeds are in us. We've got to get free of them ourselves before we help get others free. Now, why is it that Jesus would permit himself to be tossed to and fro by the religious and by the political? As I said, when he was going to the cross, he was being passed back and forth between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious and the legalistic, and the political, Pilate and Herod. Now, of course, Jesus was willingly going to the cross. You know, that, that wasn't the issue. But we see these things playing out in the natural. And so there is some implication to them. We need to understand some things. Uh, turn with me to Revelations chapter 17, seven, or chapter 17 verse 17. And again, he's talking about Babylon. And I'm going to start around verse 16. I'll start at 15. That's where it talks about the waters. And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people's, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And the ten horns, which you saw, and the beast, the beast represents the, the world's systems. It's got seven heads and ten horns. Um, it's demonic in nature, and it has these ten ruling kings, representing the horns, over the systems. These will hate the harlot, and will make her desolate and naked. See, the demonic hates the demonic. Even the demons hate each other. But they'll use one another for the purposes of, in which they have to use to further the demonic agenda of Satan. Satan has a kingdom. He has a system as well. And even though they hate one another, they will use each other to further each other's agendas. So here they are. They will make her desolate and naked. They will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. Verse 17. Here's the key. Why did Jesus permit this? Why did he allow them? The, of course, again, I again, understand he's going to the cross. He has to go through this, but he could have very easily spoke to it. He didn't. It's for this reason right here, verse 17. For God has put it in their hearts. See, God has put it in their hearts. The Lord's permitted it. He's put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until, until, The words of God will be fulfilled. So, why does the Lord permit these things to happen at times? Because there's a common purpose that the political, the religious, the harlot, the beast, there's a common purpose that they have, but it's going to bring forth God's executed purpose. A common purpose that brings forth his executed purpose. There's another plan that the Lord has, that the enemy cannot see. There's a common purpose working in all of this with Babylon, but in the end, there's going to be an executed purpose of God that comes, and this kingdom, uh, or this rule, this authority, of just this harlot, is going to be given over to the beast, until the words of God will be fulfilled. So, Rest assured, there's a judgment and a justice coming to Babylon. And part of that justice and judgment, we'll talk later in Revelation 18, is when the people of God come out of her. And the beast, all right, the false prophet and the Antichrist will begin to come onto the scene. And the spirit of that is already operating. All right, but we're seeing Babylon right now, while the systems of the earth, the beasts, is still coming to that place of seven heads and ten horns. This thing is still being worked out. But don't worry. There's a common purpose that the Lord is permitting within Babylon that will bring forth his executed purpose. And a part of that is that our eyes are open, our ears are hearing, our hearts begin to perceive and understand, and we begin to come out of this. This, again, is when we take off the robes, take off... Our, our headdress, all right. we get cleaned up in the righteous acts of Christ and we begin to walk in authority and power. Sometimes the Lord allowed in the Old Testament for the enemies of Israel to be what judged them. And in that judgment, they would awaken to the truth. So turn with me quickly to Acts chapter 12. Let's look at this real quick. I want you to see the political, and how it operates again. Acts 12. About that time, Herod the king, here's the political, laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. So James, the first martyr of the disciples, he gets his head chopped off. Verse 3. When he saw, this is Herod, when the political, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, He proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. There we go. Jesus said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And here we are again. And it was to what? Put to death, destroy Jesus and those who are bringing forth the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. This is what put John on the island of Patmos. The word of God and the testimony of Christ. The political along with the religious and witchcraft will seek to destroy it. Why did he do it? Because it found pleasing to the eyes of the Jews. It's all about pleasing man. The acceptance of men. That's what's going on in, in the nation. The church right now, right now, the body of Christ, the church, is silent for the most part. They will not get up and fight back. Everyone just stays home with the mask. Stay masked. We talked about this last time. The religious spirit seeks to mask you. Jezebel wore a mask. It's to quiet you, to keep you quiet so you can't release the word of God. Don't say nothing. Be still. And if you do say something and it doesn't conform with the political and the religious, you get shouted down. You get demonized. See, we've got to be willing to stand up and take a stand in the realms of the spirit and on the earth. Because this root has to get out of us. We need to repent for the spirit of the fear of man and trying to be men-pleasers. You cannot seek to be a bond-servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and also seek to please men. It does not work. There's no other way around it. We've got to get delivered of this stuff. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of this chapter, although there's much in here. This is a prophetic chapter. I would encourage you to read it because the Lord... You know, they then it so pleased the Jews that Herod saw that he once said, Okay, I'm gonna kill Peter too. But I'll wait until after the Passover because I want to please the religious people. All right, so I'll wait until this is over. I'll wait till Christmas is over, I'll wait till Easter is over, and then I'll throw this thing at them. You know, it's like that. That type of religious mindset. And then what does he do? Well, he wants to bring Peter out, and he's gonna kill them because. Hey, it pleased the Jews when I killed James. But instead, God's got another plan. Listen to what it says. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the pastor to bring him out before the people. Again, he wants the glory from the people. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made constantly by the church to God. See, there again, there's a common purpose, but there's an executed purpose by God. The common purpose is, this is a man-pleasing thing. I want the acceptance of men. I want glory from men that only the Pharisees can give me. Because remember, the religious has the glory. The political has the power. They're coming together. They need one another. That's the harlotry that happens in our hearts. And so what does he do? That's the common purpose, but God has an executed purpose. He calls his people to pray. When James's death takes place, all of a sudden, they become constantly in prayer. See, the body of Christ has got to get to a state of constancy in prayer. Day and night, we're like the lady in, in Luke chapter 18 who calls out to the unrighteous judge, and finally he gets so tired of her coming, he just gives her what she wants. And it says in verse 7, Now, is our righteous Father, will he not also give justice to the elect who call out to him night and day? It's time for us, the body of Christ, to start getting into a state of prayer. Night and day, prayers, fastings, calling on the Lord that the justice and the judgment of God will begin to be executed into the earth. This is an executed purpose of God. So the common purpose was, please men, I'll cut their heads off, destroy the testimony, the word of God, and God raises up the people to begin to pray. And what happens? Angels are immediately dispatched. They bring Peter out of the prison. Peter goes to the place of prayer. They don't even recognize him, and they're amazed. We're in that same type of situation today. We're about to see the executed purposes of God come forth. Now, let's go a little farther in Act 12, verse 20. Let's see what happens with the political, because God deals with it. Here, listen, verse 20. Now, he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. That's Herod. That was the region he was in. By the way, this region of Tyre and Sidon is the same region that Ethbel ruled over. That is the father of Jezebel. He ruled in in the... Area of Tyre and Sidon, and with one accord they came to him. So the people came seeking favor from Herod, and having one of her the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. Again, you see where these things are coming together. We talked about this in the last podcast where Ahab and Jezebel and Ethbel, her father had an, an allegiance. They came together with one another because it helped with the transportation. One was along the water routes. The other had to pass its way through the cities and through the hill country so they could do business. It was also about mammon. It's about money. Much of what's going on, on the earth, and I'm going to explain this in the next podcast, with what's going on with Pharmacia, the pharmacy company, is all about mammon. They don't want you to use hydroxychloroquine. Numerous doctors have come out and says it works in the early stages. But the uh, CDC, the WHO, um, the American Medical Associations are cutting it down, shutting it off. No, don't use this. You can't use it. Why? Because it's very cheap. It's effective in early stages. They found that, but it won't cost you anything. They'd rather have a new vaccine that you got to give out to billions of people, require them to take it, and make the money, the mammon. The word in the Greek for witchcraft is pharmacia. And so you've got the political, because this is a political agenda, working with the religious and working with pharmacia, the medical. Now, I'm going to hit on this later in another podcast, but... Just to put it out there now, again, that's not to say COVID-19 is not real. It's real, but there's a lot of agendas and where they're forcing and pushing things through manipulation and control that's not to the benefit of the people, so that they can gain more power, authority over the people for the sake of mammon. And this is unrighteousness. This is demonic. This is Babylon. Babylon. So what happens? Verse 21, on appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat on the rostrum. There he is. He gets up in front of the people with all this power and authority. They're like, we need you, king. You're, You're feeding us. We need the government. We need the politicians. We need our political pastor up there. And it says in verse 23, the people kept crying out, the voice of a God and not of a man. See, this is now we've gotten into back to our eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where men become gods. This is what the political wants. It wants the glory. And so Herod, who was the king, and that time many of the Greeks and the Romans believed if you were a king when you died, you became a god. That's how you got the mythologies of Zeus and Apollos and all these other Greek and Roman gods. Verse 23, And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms. So this is a fine example of the political spirit functioning, and there's many others, but functioning out and through the fear of man in order to gain approval, to seek approval, and to bring glory to oneself. And we're seeing this in the earth today. The religious spirit, along with the political spirit, they're in an allegiance with one another, and they function out of witchcraft. I have a few more minutes. I just want to get started a little bit on the witchcraft and just give some basic definitions before I finish today, and I'll pick up next week with the witchcraft again. So, the spirit of witchcraft... There is what we would call a white charismatic witchcraft and a black magic. And what we mean by that is a black magic is like your potions, your formulas, your drugs, voodoo, cults, sacrifices. Um, It can be games, Ouija boards and other games, the video games you see. Much of it has symbolisms that are anti-Christ symbolisms satanic rituals. Most of your music is worshiping these false gods. It's demonic spirits. You have spirit cooking that's going on now. Many of the politicians and their wives, along with entertainment, the music industry, actors and actresses are into spirit cooking, where they're literally making cakes or pies in the shape of female or male testicles and reproductive systems and they have parties, and they eat. Sometimes it's very disgusting, but they will ejaculate. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, but it's true. They will ejaculate on these things and then partake in a demonic, satanic ritual as they then eat and consume it. So when there's a flee from the sexual immorality of Babylon and the things sacrificed to idols that you have eaten, right, and all the demonic, the sorcery, it says in Revelations 18 that comes with her. These are the type of things that he's forgi- he's giving warning about. They did it then. And with, with Jezebel, it was done with uh, Baal and Astarte. So these things are still going on today. We just don't put the names with them all the time. But the very deeds and the actions are being done in the earth. This is demonic. Your white magic is things like emotional control, sexual manipulation, soulless manipulation, hype. It can be prayers that are curses and not blessings, where we end up cursing leaders or cursing other people. We manipulate with our words and our tongues and our eyes and our body language and the way we dress. There's It's a soulless manipulation that's called... Charismatic witchcraft are also known as white magic. So witchcraft is a counterfeit spiritual authority that uses control, manipulation, domination, bullying, or hype. It's sorcery and divination are all forms of witchcraft. As I said, the word in the um, Greek for witchcraft or sorcery is pharmacia which is where we get the word pharmacy from. Now, one thing I want us to know about this is that this sorcery, this witchcraft, is rooted in our carnal nature. Look at Galatians chapter 5, where he's speaking about the deeds of the flesh. He said the deeds of the flesh are evident, verse 19, which are immorality, impurity, sensualities, idolatry, Sorcery. There it is. It's the word for witchcraft in the Greek as well. It's interchangeable. So this is a deed of the flesh. Its origin is in the carnal nature of man. When we use emotional pressure or words that are have hidden agendas in order to manipulate, we're in a basic form of witchcraft. It's a basic form of witchcraft. Now, as we continue to practice these things and we're unrepentant, that door widens, where it can become literally demonic spirits have access to our being. This is why we've got to keep watch over the soul. This is why we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us that will convict us of these things if we're seeking Him to know Him and walking with Him. This is about the hardening of the heart. Where is our heart in these matters? Are we a repentant people? I keep saying this. Podcast after podcast. We need to be in a state of repentance right now. The nation is at a time, and the, the body of Christ, excuse me, is in a time of repentance. We keep looking for the non-believers to repent. Listen, it's dark. Judgment begins with the house of God. If, the, if our nation is this dark, it's probably because this is happening in the church, and it is. It's among leaderships. It's among people coming in to also gain advantages among leadership and weak leadership. We've had an issue of weak leadership in the body of Christ for quite some time. That This didn't come upon us and come into our nation. It's happening on our watch. The very example of this is Isaiah chapter 6. Prior up to chapter 6, what happened? I'm going to finish here. Let me just hit this real quick. I'll finish up witchcraft next time, but I feel I I need to hit this real quick, guys. Isaiah chapter 6. The first five chapters is basically God speaking about judgment that comes upon nations. And I said this before, chapter 3. One of the judgments, verse 4. And I will make mere lads, their princes, and capricious children will rule over them. The young people begin to rule. They're the ones you see in the streets tearing everything up. In verse 11, woe to the wicked, it will go badly with him. What he deserves will be done to him, O my people. Their oppressors are children. Your youth begin to rule over you and oppress you. And women rule over them, O my people. Those who guide you lead you astray and confuse the direction of your path. Where's the godly male leadership in the body of Christ and in the nations? And I'm not just talking politically. It could be in the household. It could be in education. It can be in businesses, people who are not using religion, politics, and manipulation to control, but godly men. Where are they? they rising up, begin to bring justice against these things. He says, this is what you'll see come into a nation. The young and immature children begin to rule over you. It's a sign that you've lost leadership and you've apostatized the faith. This is what he was saying to the nation of Israel. So in chapter 6, we begin in the year of King Uzziah's death. They're in Babylon. They're in captivity again. And King Uzziah dies. This is a human person. Again, the political is setting upon the throne. What this speaks of is that the human governments, the political government structures are beginning to fall. They're beginning to shake. And it says on the throne, high and lifted, I see the train of his robe filling the temple with the glory. And you see the seraphim. And you see a cry of holy, holy, holy. There's a call to holiness in our nation. Well, I should say within the body of Christ. There's a call to a greater level of holiness. The foundations are being shaken. God is shaking the foundations. I prophesied this over a year ago when I talked about the ten plagues that were coming upon the nations. He's shaking Egypt. The the systems of this world are being shaken. And what does Isaiah say in verse 5? Woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, for I live among a people of unclean lips. He began to see when he got into the heavenly realm and got before the throne of God, he started to see that that which was happening among the people in Israel wasn't just them, it was also him. I am, he took responsibility, I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean. He's saying, look, what's going on in the earth in Israel right now? It's happening on my watch. And if I am the light to a nation of darkness, then what's going on? If the body of Christ is the light and darkness is overruling us, then how dark are we? If we're to be the salt in the earth, then we've lost our saltiness. We've lost our light. There's got to be a repentance in the house of God because what's going on in our nation and in the earth and even in the body of Christ is happening on my watch. There's a responsibility for it. He owned it. And so immediately the seraphim brings a hot, fiery coal, and he burns it out of him. He deals with it. He purifies him. He cleanses them of the sin. And then he says, i got to send someone who's going to be a messenger. And what's the message? That these people will not see. They will not hear. They will not understand. He gets called to release a curse on the people. And as I said before, the political, along with the religious and witchcraft, This is what it does. It releases the curse that we have eyes that see, not ears that hear, not hearts that don't understand. Why is that? Look what it says. Down in verse 11. He said, they remain dull and insensitive in verse 10. It's the hardness of the heart again. He says in verse 11, then I said, Lord, how long? And basically the Lord said that they could return and be healed if they would see hear, and understand. If they see, hear, and understand, they could be healed. They would return to him and be healed. If we have to return to him, that means we left. See? We've left our first love. You're in a state of apostasy. Church in America. You're in a state of apostasy. We're being full of the religious, the political, and witchcraft, and manipulation. We need to repent at the very root of what's been in us is a fear of man. And it's been a snare to us where we seek the approval of people rather than loving him and his truth more than what the enemy's offering us through the world. That needs to be a place of repentance right now in the house of God. And he says, how long, O Lord? He said, you can return and be healed. How long? And he answered, again, a common purpose for the executed. Look what he says. Until cities are devastated. Is that happening in America? and without inhabitant, Houses are without people. The land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Yet, here it is, yet, there will be a tenth portion in it. That's the remnant. That's the tenth. Those are the overcomers. There's a remnant within it. And he said, that remnant's got to arise. It's got to come out. And he says, and it will again be subject to burning. Who's that? The tenth. Even the remnant is going through a chastening right now, a purification, so that when we come out of Babylon, we are coming out clothed in the robe of righteousness, where the harlots, the things of this world, will not be on our garments. We'll be clothed in righteousness like the bride. We'll have oil in our lamps. There will be life coming forth out of it. And he says right here, this is the remnant, this is the portion. You'll go through a burning, but like an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. The seed of God will begin to rise up into the heart of this remnant. So as a nation, as a people, this is why our nation has been in such darkness. It's because it's in the house of God and it's got to get dealt with. So, as I close here today about the political spirit and just gave a brief introduction into the witchcraft, I'll pick up next time on the spirit of witchcraft and get into more. So I haven't gotten into all the revelations and stuff yet, but I'll get into some of that, the dreams and the visions and what's going on and how all this is related. I've given you some bullet points, but it's happening now. I would encourage us, an action point for us to take is let's get before God. Let's repent of the religious spirit, the political spirit, and the witchcraft that is in our hearts that is rooted in a desire to seek the approval of men, that's rooted in the fear of man, and instead pray that our hearts would fully be given over to the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and that there's an inner working of holiness that is taking place in our hearts. I thank you for joining me today. This is Brian Eichelberger for Eagle Eye Perspectives Podcast. Next week, we'll talk more about the spirit of witchcraft. Grace, grace to you and to your household.